Hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. You're watching Legacy Television. We're so glad to have you with us on the broadcast today. I'm coming to you again from Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, where a good God has done good things. He's doing great things, and we believe greater things are yet to come. Speaking of greater things, let me tell you about some of the great things that are happening right now at the church. In just a few minutes, we'll get into the Word together. But before we get into that, let me talk to you about this plan to expand. If you've been watching the broadcast over the last few weeks, you know what I'm talking about. But if this is new to you, let me just inform you of what we believe the Lord is leading us into here. Because I think it's not just for us, it's for this whole global partner family. And we want to invite you to be a part of that as well. The Lord spoke to us some months ago out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. I really like the way this says it in verse 2. Enlarge, he said, your house. Enlarge your house build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. He said in verse 3, For soon you will be bursting at the seams, and your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. You like, listen to these words he uses here. Enlarge, spread out, expand, one translation says. And the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to begin uh, to receive my plan for you to expand. And he talked to us about expanding in this ministry in three places, inside, outside, and worldwide. And again, I know many of you have heard this, but if this is new to you, begin praying about this. Get a vision in your own heart about your own life and family, business, and ministry expanding. Because if you're not currently thinking about expansion, you're not thinking big enough. If you don't have expansion in your heart, you're not believing big enough. Let the Lord go to work on you and enlarge you on the inside. Let's get into the Word, and I'll be back in just a moment. In John chapter 11, we looked at this several times, but Jesus, standing at the tomb of Lazarus, said to Lazarus' sister, Martha, when he said in verse 39, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Notice with Jesus, believing comes first. In the world, seeing comes first. I don't believe until I see. If I can see it, then I'll believe it. But that's not how it works with God. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. If you want to see him, it starts with believing. See, faith is involved. And we've talked all about this, but, but if Jesus was just going to do what Jesus was going to do, if he came to the tomb of Lazarus with all the power and all the willingness to raise him from the dead, and it didn't matter what Martha believed or Mary believed or anybody else, then why ask them? Huh? Why solicit faith from her? Because if he's just going to do it, then Jesus, come on, get on with it. Huh? And if he was just going to do it, why has he got to be standing at the tomb? Why couldn't he have done it from wherever he was when the word came to him, Lazarus is sick? Why couldn't he just said, Lazarus, be well? It's all good. He's looking for faith. Faith is the connector to the power. The power and the presence. And this is why he's saying to her, I told you believe. I need you to believe. If you want me to do what I came here to do, I'm looking for faith out of you. I'm looking for faith out of you. And he's still looking for the same thing today. So if, we're, if faith is involved in this, and we're looking at scriptures, 
you know, the, the, the word of God says this in so many different places, that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. The Bible says that the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. These are promises from the word. Now, instead of hearing that and then looking at society going, man, I, don't, I sure don't see that. I don't see the glory out there. I don't see how we can have any glory with the Democrats in charge. <laughs> That's not a faith statement. If your political opinions are louder than your faith in God, something's wrong. And if your faith in God is somehow tied to your political opinions, something's really wrong. Faith is in spite of all of it. Faith doesn't care who's in there. And faith doesn't lose its mind just because the guy who you didn't vote for got elected. Is there a verse that says quit freaking out? I'm looking for that one. <laughs> Don't lose your mind. There's got to be one in there. If you're looking into society and the world we're living in, and it does not look like the glories covering the earth, what should you be doing? Acknowledging how little glory there is? No. Believing to see it. Were Mary and Martha seeing any glory when Lazarus was sick? Were they seeing any glory when he died? Were they seeing the glory when they put him in the tomb? No. But when you're not seeing it, that's the perfect time to believe to see it. It's so simple. What do I do if I'm not seeing it? Oh, that's the easiest, man. I can answer that so easily. Believe to see it. Stay in faith. And if faith is involved in this, and if, and if we're going to see the power and the presence of God in our church, it's going to be more than just, well, God said the glory's coming, so man, that'll be great. When's that happen? I want to make sure I'm there that Sunday. Faith is connected to it. That's what I'm talking about, coming with expectation. Faith is connected to it. We've got promises from the word. I'm going to fill this earth with the glory of God. Well, how are we going to see that? We're going to believe to see it. The seeing will not come first. The believing comes before it. Believing to see always immediately precedes seeing it. And I don't care what you're talking about. Whether it's provision or healing in your body or restoration in your family or the glory of, the, uh, glory of God filling this house or yours. What comes right before you see it? Believing to see it. Always. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, talks to us about faith. Put that on the screen for us. Hebrews 11, 1. You don't have to turn there. You know this verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NIV says, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So here you can see faith and hope working together. We touched on this some last week, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about what these two things are, how these two things work. Are they the same? Are they different? But it really is so easy. Hope, Bible hope, not the way we use it in our modern vernacular, not the way that most of the people in this world use it. I mean, we've had politicians build whole political parties and, and, and run campaigns on hope. Hope for the future, right? And what people hear is, 
Man, I sure want that. Wouldn't that be great if things were that way? We really desire that. We really, 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 really want it. But Bible hope has nothing to do with really, 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 really wanting it. It's not about just desire or wishing. It's more than that. Bible hope is expectation. We're already talking about that, right? So when I say you come to church with an expectation, what that is, is hope. And it's not like, well, I hope we see the glory today. Come on, shut up. Say it the right way. I am expecting to see it. I am believing to see the glory of God. Has nothing to do with just desire or wishing or wanting. It's expectation. Confident expectation. This is what we will have, glory to God. Expectation. Now, the only person who has any right or reason to expect something good is the person with faith in a good God. Without faith in his goodness, you have no foundation to build your hope from. If there's no foundation of faith in his goodness, then all it is is desire. All it is is really wanting something. But when you build your life on this confident, this, this concrete, if you will, foundation of faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in his word, it produces a confident expectation of the good that is to come. Faith in a good God causes you to expect good things. Faith in Jesus, your savior, means you can expect salvation. Faith in Jesus, your healer, means you can expect healing. You can expect it. You can expect it. Thank you, Lord. But Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about a man named Noah in verse 7. And it says that by faith, Noah, Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared. Somebody say prepared. Prepared an ark for the saving of his house for the saving of his household. The Amplified Classic Edition says, prompted by faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign. So again, he's talking about what you can't see. Events of which there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. Faith prepares. When you're expecting, if you're genuinely expecting, that will produce a preparation. Expectation produces preparation. And this is one of the ways you know you are actually in faith. People talk a big talk about faith. I'm believing to see this. I'm believing God for that. We're believing to see the glory. Okay, that's a good thing to say. But what preparation is going on? I mean, what if God spoke to Noah and said, rain's coming, floods are coming, and I'm going to cover this earth with an outpouring. Except it wasn't going to be an outpouring of glory. It was going to be an outpouring of judgment. Floods coming, floods coming. And what if Noah said, hmm, good word, Lord. Good word. I tell you what, first sign of rain, I'll get to work on that ark. 
if I see a cloud, I'm going to get up right then. You better believe it. What if he had waited to see something in the natural before he started getting ready? I mean, he would have, he would have gone the way of the rest of the world for one reason, not prepared. Faith prepares. If you're really expecting something good, get ready for it. Get ready for it. And there are ways to get ready in every place, in every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. But this is one of the big ways to indicate whether or not you're actually in faith about something. If I got anybody in here that is right now believing God in your family for, for new vehicles, new transportation. Yeah, I, I knew we would have. If you, ha- if you got it today, if the Lord put it in your driveway today, is your garage clean? Could you park? Okay, that was two. Thanks. We, good for you. The rest of us, what do we need to get busy doing? Preparing. Making a place for it, right? Preparation. Faith prepares. And if you're not ready, there are things that either God will not do in you or for you, or things that will just pass you by. Hmm? Believe in God for a spouse. Single? Have a desire in your heart? I want to be married? Well, that's a good desire. But let me ask you something. If God brought them today, huh? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready in your heart, in your mind? Are you ready physically? Are you ready financially? Or is it the grace of God that he has not introduced her to you yet? Huh? Preparation. Faith gets ready. Sarah and I got it in our hearts years ago. Probably around 2015 or so. 2014, 2015. We knew the Lord had called us to have a television ministry. Uh, We were confident about it. And we said, that's good. We need to start moving towards that. Well, I think it was around 2015, later that year. I may have some of these dates wrong, but my grandfather called Sarah and I and said, listen, we are starting a television network and moving from just having a TV broadcast to having a whole network. And we are going to be putting on other ministers, other ministries, And we're putting their broadcast on. We're sowing the time into them. And he said, your Mimi and I are inviting you to to put a television broadcast on our network. Glory to God. Glory to God. One problem. We didn't have a TV show. Now, the Lord had already spoken to us months, months before that. This is where you're headed. Okay, Lord. Mm, Good word. Good word. Now, when Papa called, that was the summer of 20, I want to say 15. And the network was beginning, I believe, in September of 15. So that's just a very short window. I mean, we've probably had two or three months between when he told us and when it was going to launch. And we didn't have a thing. And we got, got home from the trip we were on. And I called the head of the TV department and the network. And I said, listen, Papa called, Papa called and he invited us to have a program, but I, I don't have one. 
And uh, I, I don't know that I can have it by the time you launch. He said, listen, it's okay. Um, it's an open invitation. When you're ready, give us a program. Do you hear that? When you're ready. Give us the program, we'll put it on. Okay, great. Well, that summer wraps up. We don't have a program. September gets here. They're launching the network. We don't have a program. October, November, December, we still don't have a program. January of 16, February, we don't yet have a program. I finally woke up, and I believe it was at the unction of the Spirit of God on the inside of me, and he just said, Jeremy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Number one, I told you this was coming. Number two, I've opened the door of opportunity. What are you doing? And it got all over me. Sarah and I went before our staff, and we're a small group, uh, even smaller then than we are now, and said, guys, are you familiar with the term light a fire? It's something my mom used to say to me on a fairly regular basis. Jeremy, you better light a fire. What's that mean? Quit dragging your feet, boy. Get up and go do what I told you to do. And we didn't have experience in it. None of us. I mean, I'd been on one side of the camera a handful of times, but never on the backside trying to figure out how to work these things and get this put together. But we said to our staff, we've got to get this done. And it was February that year. And I said, we're going on in April. It's a short amount of time. But you know what? The grace of God came all over us to do it. And they did it. And they did an excellent job with it. It's just gotten better and better over time. And we finally got it on. Man, feeling good about that. Until one day after we had debuted the program and just spending some time with the Lord, he said, do you realize that you stood at the threshold of an open door for seven months, but you could not walk through it for one reason? You weren't ready. You weren't ready. Seven months. And it, it dawned on me, seven months. That's seven months that we did not preach the word all over the world. That's seven months of not hearing the gospel that somebody could have heard and gave their life to Jesus. That's seven months of not presenting vision to potential partners who the Lord would assign to our ministry. Seven months. That's seven months without testimonies, without miracles, without the glory of God for one reason. I wasn't ready. Just wasn't prepared. I knew the Lord had said it. Oh God, that's a good word. Praise the Lord for that word. I'm expecting that. No, you're not. If you're not preparing, you're not expecting and we made the decision right then. I will never again in my life stand at the threshold of an open door of God opportunity and not be able to walk through it just because I wasn't ready. Never doing it again. Does that make sense to you? Faith gets ready. We touched some on that last week, but I need to give you some more. In Mark chapter 9... This account begins down around verse 14. There was a man who brought his son to the disciples to be healed. His son was having seizures. And you remember this, Jesus came off the mountain. The disciples could not uh, cast this spirit out of him. And they were in confrontation with the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus said to him in verse 18, what are you discussing with them? And then one from the crowd, this boy's father yells out. He said, teacher, 
listen, my son, uh, I brought you my son. He's got a mute spirit. It seizes him. It throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples. They couldn't cast him out. He answered, listen to what Jesus said in verse 19. Oh, faithless, faithless, faithless. What's the problem here? Faithlessness. Unbelief. In Matthew's account of this, the disciples would ask him, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus, you got to love his honesty. He's a lot more honest, I think, than people are willing to hear sometimes. If all you ever hear from him is exactly what you thought or wanted to hear, you are not listening close enough. Because love corrects. Love makes adjustments. Like Sarah said, love will save you from going off a cliff. How many of you, if you're headed for a cliff, don't want somebody saying, hey, listen, I love you so much, and I think you're really neat, and I like the shoes you have on today. What am I doing? People require all these fluffy, pretty words before you even dare correct them. But correction is love. How many of you would rather your shepherd yell, stop it, quit moving, stay where you are, don't go that way. How dare you talk to me like that? Fine, walk off the cliff. If you are so sensitive and so touchy that you can't hear something from somebody if the tone wasn't exactly the way you like it and need it, fine, crash and die. But if you're interested in living, then be open to correction in whatever way it comes. Because if it's correction from him, it's love. It's love. Well, I'll get my correction from God, but I ain't listening to you, preacher. <laughs> Lord help you. Jesus tells the man what the problem is. Faithlessness. That doesn't sound real sweet, does it? Man, you ever tried telling somebody why they didn't get a prayer answered? I just don't understand why God didn't do this for me. I'll tell you, you didn't have any faith. <gasps> oh, oh, how darest thou tell me? Did Jesus tell people that the problem was no faith? Would y'all hurry up? I'm trying to get somewhere here. Jeez. Faithless generation, how long will I bear with you? How long will I be, be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And you remember the account, as soon as he came to Jesus, the boy, that, that spirit seized him. He fell on the ground. But I love Jesus' response. He's not panicked. He's not freaking out. Verse 21. How long has this been happening? What's the matter, Jesus? Come on, do something. Be calm. Tell me a little bit about this. He's your example. Don't lose your mind. Don't freak out. Don't let fear send you into a panic. How long has this been happening to him? His father said, from childhood, he's thrown him into the fire. He's thrown him into the water to destroy him. Now listen to this. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can. Do you see that? That is not the Jesus that religion has taught us about. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's not about what I can do. This is, this is what he's saying to him. It's not about what I can do. It's about what you can believe. 
Again, if he was just going to heal this boy no matter what, then why say this? He's looking for faith. He was looking for faith then. He's looking for faith now. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love his father's prayer. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love that. You know why? It's honesty. It's honesty. I believe. And if there's something in me that doesn't, help me with it. Help me with it. And evidently, Jesus can work with that because the boy got up well. Jesus cast the spirit out of him. He fell down as one dead, the Bible said. And everybody said, oh, he's dead. Jesus killed him. (laughs) He didn't kill him. He cast that spirit out. And a moment later, this boy got up well. Why? Because Jesus found a place to connect with his father's faith. I believe. And you know, if there's something in me that doesn't help me with it, I need your help to deal with that. He still answers that prayer. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.